this uh, National Prayer Breakfast is an opportunity for us uh, to meet uh, with some friends and some people, and we actually do do some praying, and uh, we do uh, uh, spend some time talking to Jesus ourselves. Uh, but the great part of it is, is we get to talk and uh, be with some uh, other followers of Jesus. And uh, this is Gary Shaw right here. Gary is in our class on a regular basis. There, just got back from Roatan last night. Yeah, I just I just got back from 122nd and. Uh, <laughs> And Hefner Parkway. Uh, this is Mike Sullivan. Many of you know him. Mike and his family is here today. And this is Dan Reineke. Many of you know Dan. That's just all I'm going to say. And, uh, but uh, we're glad you're here today. And we're going to share with you some of the thoughts and experiences we had. And uh, I hope uh, to allow uh, them to share what they have. And then if you have any questions, we have time at the end. So we're going to begin here, if you will, uh, with uh, the history of the National Prayer Breakfast. And uh, Dan's going to kind of fill us in on that. So, Dan... Well, um, can you hear me? Uh, or maybe not so good. Huh? Yeah. Is- um, the, um, the prayer breakfast has been going on since 1953, uh, a glorious year in which some of us were born. <laughs> and um, the, uh, it's been going on in Washington, D.C. every year since then. And every single year, the president of uh, the United States attends the prayer breakfast and speaks. There's also a speaker that comes every year. But anyway, the way this thing started was many years ago, there was a guy named Abraham Veridi who came over from Norway, and he was a kind of a, uh, a walk-around preacher who just on horseback would go from town to town to town to preach, and he ends up in Seattle back in the early 1900s. And he collects a group of, of uh, civic leaders, and they start an organization that eventually becomes known as Goodwill. After that, he then collects these people that are the leaders of the city, and they start just to gather together to pray. And all they're going to do is just pray for wisdom. They're going to pray to follow Jesus' teachings, and that's it. Okay? No, no more than that. So that then just gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where that the, uh, some people in Washington, D.C. decided to have him come over and organize for the House of Representatives in the late 40s hmm. a prayer breakfast. A year later, the Senate does the same thing. And then, all of a sudden, in 1953, President Eisenhower says, you know, the, uh, the White House is the most loneliest place that he has ever lived. So they invite him to their prayer breakfast. Conrad Hilton says, you can use my place. Next thing you know, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So over the years, there has been numerous people that have spoken. But the main idea is that that the National Prayer Breakfast is an unrelenting commitment to gather people in the name of Jesus and discuss how we might follow him more faithfully or begin to follow him at all. It is not a, quote, Christian operation. It is not affiliated with any denomination. It is just people getting together to talk about Jesus. Some of the speakers over the years have been Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. That was pretty interesting. Um, Bono spoke in 06. Tony Blair spoke in 2009. There has been some pretty impressive speakers. Nobody knows who the speaker is until the morning of the deal. Nobody knows. It just happens. And the, actually, the prayer breakfast itself, the Thursday morning get-together of thousands of people eating breakfast together, 
is not the most important thing hmm. of the entire week. It is, it is probably one of the least mm -hmm. most important things of the entire week. Yeah. But it does give everyone an opportunity to get together, to talk about what's going on, and to see everybody and how they get along. But here's the deal. Every month, or pardon me, every year, it is organized on odd number of years by the uh, Senate and on even number of years by the House of Representatives. Okay? So this year, it was organized by the House of Representatives. So there's two people that somehow get nominated for this. The two people this year were Janice Hahn, who is the um, representative of the 44th District of California, and... Louis Gohmert, you might know who Louis is, is the first uh, is a rep representative from the first district of Texas, okay? So these people, when you see them together, you say, how can these people get along? <laughs> that is a diagram from somewhere. I <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what it talks about is the difference in philosophy between Han over there and Gohmert over here. They, get a, they agree on nothing. Okay? Politically. Nothing politically, all right? Except they are in the same Thursday morning prayer breakfast meeting that operates every Thursday morning on the Hill. Along with about 60 other House Representatives people, of which they're divided half and half between Republicans and Democrats. So, you know, when we sit here and watch the news, we just think it's fighting all the time, and it's fighting most of the time. <laughs> but there is this flicker of hope where everybody leaves their, leaves their political opinions at the door when they enter their prayer breakfast every Thursday morning for, 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 for their own little get-together. And there's some amazing stories that have come out about that issue. Yeah. People that... Um, like uh, when our senator's son got killed in the plane wreck, the first person that contacted him was a person from the, from the Senate prayer breakfast that, hap that happens on Wednesday morning, a Democrat. You know, so yeah. it's not as quite as divisive as we think it is because there are, there are a group of people from both sides of the aisle that still want to do what Jesus tell uh, that what they perceive as Jesus telling them what to do. They still want to follow Jesus. It, it is interesting. The president did say last year, this year, I can't remember, at the end of this, he said, I sure hope a lot of the goodwill that in this room with the National Prayer Breakers will make it back over to the hill. <laughs> and a lot of us said amen to that. Well, thanks, Dan. Uh, that gives you kind of an idea. This is a long-standing uh, thing going on in Washington every year. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. Now, I, I want to back up because I'd like for us uh, well, Dan already did that. So uh, I'd like for us here for a moment is what impacted us the most. And we're going to let each person share. I'm going to start with Gary. This was Gary's first year. Uh, Gary, when you go on the first year you go, you get to sit in the big room. There are about, what, Dan, Mike, 3,000 people in that ballroom. And uh, you're actually there where you can see the president, the vice president, the joint chiefs of staff, and, and all the senators and all these people and the special speaker. And Gary got to go in there this year because the first year you go, you get to go in. How was the breakfast, Gary? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, they, they tell Worst us... Worst food ever. Yeah, they tell us the night before, eat before you come. Uh, it's one of those little quiches I think they got at Sam's and threw it down in there. Some bagels that aren't toasted. Some pretty rotten fruit. It's a long way to go for a lousy breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it 
and a lot of money to pay it. That's right. Gary, why don't you share with them what you'd shared with us about this idea of circles and, sure. and how that uh, that impacted you. Well, and real quick about the, the large group meeting, like they said, there's about 3,500 people. So what I'm telling everybody that asked how it was is I got to be in the room with the president <laughs> and 3,500 of my closest friends. <laughs> so I was probably about as close to the president as I am to Marty right now uh, where he's preaching. So. Um, we also we, we did a lot of stuff with the delegation from California. You've heard uh, Cliff, Dan, and Mike talk about that group in the past. And uh, so we would go up to their suite, and they would have speakers come in. And uh, I think it was Gil that mentioned uh, one of the things that, that he's really been working on in his uh, spiritual life is uh, we all have kind of circles of people that we know. This is kind of a larger circle of, you know, people that we all know, and each one of you have your own circle of people that you know, and, and what we've kind of uh, done over time is we've kind of put people in our circle that are like us and people that think like us and believe like us, and after uh, spending some time with these guys at the prayer breakfast, uh, what really impacted me was uh, growing up mainly here in Oklahoma small Baptist churches, and, and I know when I said that B word, a lot of you just turned it off right there, right? But, you know, one of the things that I learned really early on was, you know, there are other, there are Christians besides Baptists. You know, there's Christians that are, really? you know, Church of God. You know, wow. Who knew, right? Uh, so I, I started working really hard in my own life to really, you know, break down those denominational barriers in my own spiritual thinking, but what I figured out was I just made my box bigger, okay? So now my box includes, you know, even Methodists, right? <laughs> Maybe some what? Presbyterians. Oh, now Gary. Maybe stretching that out. So my box just got bigger, right? But I still had this box. So what Gil and these guys were talking about was instead of, you know, tearing down walls and just building bigger boxes, what we really should be doing is drawing circles of inclusion, because we all have our circle of friends and family and acquaintances and things like that. And, and Cliff's circle maybe overlaps mine a little bit. And so there's some common people that we know. And then Mike and Cliff have their own circle. And there's some common people that they know. And maybe some of mine intersects with Mike's. But what if we drew a circle that included people that none of us knew? And what if those people maybe didn't even profess to be a Christian, but they know who Jesus is? And maybe they're curious about learning more about Jesus. And so they kind of harped on this for that three days that they were there and kept coming back to this drawing circles of inclusion. And, and I think that's, you know, it's neat that we have circles and, and round tables in here, but each one of us really need to kind of stretch outside of that circle and maybe draw our circle a little bit bigger to include some people that don't think like us. Uh, one of the things that I, I told Cliff and, and the guys was I have a really good friend that's sitting in this room right now that grew up as a Muslim. His background is, you know, Islam. And you guys all know him. He's my brother Ahmed that's sitting back in the back. We met Ahmed about five years ago and uh, just loved that guy. But one of the things that kept going through my mind was if... If I had met Ahmed outside of this circle, would I have included him in my circle? Because he's Muslim. 
Probably not, <laughs> Tiny, you're right. Because he was born in a different place. He was born to a different tradition. Because he came to my house as part of this group, we embraced him and, and brought him into our circle. And he's like, seriously, like my brother today. Um, but I don't know that I would have done that if I'd have met him out on the 122nd and just said, hey, Ahmed, what's going on? So that's something that really impacted me and is something that I'm really trying to work harder on personally. And so I'm challenging you guys to maybe take a piece of that and draw some bigger circles and include some people that maybe don't look like you, think like you. Maybe they don't even talk like you, right? Maybe they're from Texas. <laughs> Can we kill this mic over here? <laughs> you know, I, I want to I do what has influenced me as well. We're going to go down the row here. But what Gary said, uh, I think, is so helpful for all of us. Uh, I told you about Samir some years ago and what has affected me this year. Samir is a gentleman that lives in Lebanon, and we met him through our friend Carl Medeiros. And Carl has even said he's not sure if Samir has made the final move to where he has accepted Jesus as Son of God. But Samir is interested in Jesus and wants to talk about him and wants to learn. And his daughter this year spoke at the Middle Eastern breakfast. And how that, when, that when she, had, she came to the National Prayer Breakfast several years ago and had lived in Lebanon and had never met a Jewish person in her life, ever. And there are these suites, like the California suite. There's a Middle Eastern suite up there. And she told the story of going to that Middle Eastern suite and meeting a Jewish person for the first time. And she said, I hated him. Because he was Jewish. And one of her friends who was trying to follow Jesus tried to remind her that Jews were really from the Middle East as well. <laughs> it was the Middle East suite. And she talked about uh, learning to get to, to get to know some Jewish people and how told a wonderful story of meeting a Jewish soldier on a mountain in South Africa on a vacation. And they met. And because of the National Prayer Breakfast of just being willing to talk about Jesus, just to say, you know, you may be over here, but get that circle wider. She said she had a conversation with her. They wept and embraced each other. And she said now she's learning to love other people that she never loved before. Now, here's what I want to say to you about that. I I think that the prayer breakfast has hit on something. And we're going to talk about this in class in the coming weeks. But I I want to suggest a, a model for our living. It seems to me that in the past, instead of drawing those circles, this is the way it works with us. We try to get people to believe the right thing. And then we want them to behave in the right way. And then we allow them to belong. Right? That's the way it works. Believe what is right. Behave in a correct way. And you can belong. And I think the church in some ways has probably run that model for a long time. And it's caused lots of barriers for people. What if we did this? What if we let people belong first? What if we let people belong first? 
and they might see in our lives something they can believe. And in seeing what we talk about is real, it isn't just talk, they can then begin to believe it, then maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to make it a standard, I'm, you know, maybe they might start behaving the way they ought. This is a total reversal. And what we've done, I'm afraid, in my life, what you're talking about these circles is, you didn't get to belong until you believe the right thing and you behave the right way, and now you can belong. What, what, what if we decided everybody can belong? Everybody. And they might, as they belong, see something in our lives that they say, you know what, I've heard about this, heard about the gospel, heard about Jesus, but I believe it now. You know why? I see it. I see it. It's not talk. I see it. And then people might behave. So, Gary had that same experience. I, that's what I've been wrestling with. So that's the new model, I think. Belong, believe, behave. That's, that's what the prayer breakfast has done to me. Mike? <laughs> Got to go in a different direction. <laughs> uh, I think you're exactly right. One of the things that... A little closer, a little closer. A little closer. Are we, yeah, thank you. Is that, there is you that go. better? That's much okay. better. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, the prayer breakfast ha- has affected me, and it, it comes from the, um, gather- the small gatherings that we have up in the uh, California suite, and... Especially, we, we, uh, the first thing we do as, uh, as a member of the, uh, the prayer, prayer breakfast is we go to a um, dinner at the law firm of Jones Day down in Washington, D.C., where there's this incredible view of the, uh, of the Capitol and the White House and everything. And, and um, in that uh, session, we have dinner there, and, and one of the things that, uh, that we close with is uh, everybody goes around the room. Oh, again. <laughs> Drifting again. It's okay. I'm... Um, and, and we're asked to tell what we're passionate about. And for the first probably three or four years that I did that, I came away from that evening at Jones Day feeling very inadequate about uh, my, uh, what I'm doing for Jesus and what I'm doing for the kingdom here on earth. When someone uh, gets up and says, you know, I'm from the Silicon Valley and uh, my passion is that I've established an orphanage in Haiti and uh, we have a thousand uh, orphans there that we're taking care of. I mean, I, yeah. I, I just was uh, blown away with the commitment. <laughs> But uh, this year in a, in a prayer group that, um, that was meeting at my house, we've kind of taken, a, for me, a new perspective. We take a scripture that, and we're studying Luke, and one of the meditations that we do is from that scripture is um, put yourself in Jesus' place, look through Jesus' eyes, and now look at the scripture. 
Well, I kind of did that with what happened at Jones Day. And what I took away from it this time, I think, has been probably one of the things that has affected me most is I don't look at my inadequacies and what I'm not doing mm -hmm. for Jesus. My perspective is, as I look at what God is doing through all of these people, through uh, uh, Gary's work uh, with the school in Roytan, with the orphanage in uh, in Haiti, with the the people that were with Google that are that are uh, championing uh, rights of of those that have been downtrodden, and I say, you know, now I look at it like, good night. Look what God's doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just a little part of that. And look what he's knitting together in all these places. And to me, that's been the thing that has affected me most, is that he's, he's the ruler of this universe, and he's, he's working in places that I had no idea mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Anyway, that's my yeah. perspective. Amen. Good. You're going technology. Well, um, one of the things that, uh, that I was kind of pushed to... Or, or the edge with was technology. So they had this uh, meeting about technology, and since I know a lot of these guys that do come from the, the Bay Area, that there is a push in the Bay Area for trying to figure out how the technology can help on the mission of spreading the word of Jesus. Uh, if you remember, back when the printing press came out, you know, people were kind of saying, my gosh, now we're going to have that to deal with, you know? That Books. technology. And pretty soon everybody's going to start reading the Bible. Wouldn't that be terrible? You know? Well, technology, can it's going to be here. So we might as well use it, right? We might as well use it for the, to further the, further the kingdom. So there's a group of guys putting together a whole bunch of, bunch of stuff. And I'm going to show you one thing up here. It's called Julian. And if you go online, there's an app. The app is J-E-W-E-L-I-O-N. So it's kind of like a jewel and a lion with one L. And it's, it's an app you can buy for 99 cents. The reason these guys in the Bay Area <clears throat> did this was because they are trying to further uh, certain things without looking too churchy. Okay? <laughs> Kingdom principles. Uh, and you can buy it and you can play it. The thing that's very interesting is, you know, these apps that these kids buy that they that they're shooting and killing each other on. I mean, not each other, but, you know, yeah. in the deal. <clears throat> Brian was telling me that that app brings in about $180,000 a week to the owner. A week. Yeah. So anyway, they did this app. And it's kind of a, just a, a deal where that you can just hit buttons or stars or whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, what they're doing with the money is, they're doing with the money is that they're just furthering... Uh, just, just further into the, the the kingdom of Jesus with 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 the money. And yeah, in this, it, yeah, in the particular game, the the goal is that it teaches kingdom principles without, like you say, being churchy. You're not going to get a lot of religion, but kingdom principles about humility and kindness. Yeah, and you know, to, to, to get off script here a little bit. Okay. When they were talking about uh, my buddies in 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 Phoenix, about four years ago, when I first started to get to know them pretty well, said to me, "Hey." I'm going to tell a Tanzanian story. <laughs> We're going to Tanzania in two weeks. you want to go with us? I said, why are you going? He says, well, you see, we went over there, and there was this little community of people in Tanzania that they had one water well, but they weren't using the water well to drink with. They were using the water well to feed their cattle. 
And so we went over there about eight years ago, and we contracted with some Chinese guys and borrowed a dozer, and we built a dam, and we used the water from the water well to fill the lake. And now the lake is providing water for the cattle, and the well now they're drinking out of, and everybody is healthy. A month ago, there was a terrible storm, and it broke the dam, and the lake drained. So we're going over there. We've contracted with the Chinese to borrow their dozer. We're going to go over there and fix that dam and fill that lake back up. And I said, great. And I said, so why are you going? And he said, well, see, there's this group of people in Tanzania. <laughs> and he went through the whole story again. And I said, okay. Now, these are the fellowship guys. These are the same guys that put on the prayer breakfast. And I said, okay. And they said, you're not getting it, are you? And I went, mm, no. He said, they need water. That's why we're going. Yeah. And that is what he was talking about. Yeah. They need something. It's not a give and take. It's not a situation where I'm going to go fix this dam for you if you yeah. attend three Bible studies and say the prayer four times. Yeah. No, it's we're going to fix this dam for you because you need the Water. dam fixed. And that's the difference. That's the difference between inclusion before or inclusion yeah. after. Yeah. Right. yeah, this has been a radical thing. Uh, just And also to, to comment on that, here's just some statistics about video games. I don't know if you know it or not, but every week, three billion hours are spent by people on video games. Three billion. Uh, the average American young person racks up 10,000 hours of video games by the age of 21. Now you know why these Google guys are trying to make something that will teach some principles and values uh, for that. It, it's a remarkable, <clears throat> a remarkable thing. So uh, now we're going to talk about here, I think, uh, I think that's it. Uh, we also learned what I do. We also learned some technology stuff that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, I need a little more technology help here. What did I do? I don't know. Talk among yourselves. No. Let me just. Yeah. What we're going to do is talk about the the people, some people that made an impact on us. Well, to give you a little bit more kind of the impact of the size of the group and things like that, too. Uh, when, when Mike's talking about, you know, we're in, in this suite or in this uh, law firm with a group uh, from California, that was just, a, you know, a small group. We did hang out with some Oklahoma folks uh, while we were there, too, that had a pretty good delegation. But there were people at this prayer breakfast representing 130 countries, all on the name of Jesus. And so that's that really impacted me. Uh, we... We sat in a uh, sat in several different seminars with different speakers, and one of the seminars I kind of just tagged along with Cliff because he had been there several times before, and he's talked about Carl Madeiras and some of these other guys uh, that they've met through this, and uh, Dan's uh, you know spent some some time in Israel. I don't know if Cliff's ever been or not. I think I have. Good. Um, thank you. But uh, thank you for ringing that up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we could, we could spend hours probably talking about the people that made impact on our lives just in that three-day event. But to try to pick out one or two significant people that, that 
uh, really impacted me. Carl Medeiros was basically hosting a, a uh, panel discussion, and you'll have to give a little bit more of the details, maybe Cliff, because uh, done a couple of things since we've been to DC. Yeah, right. Um, there was there was a a guy there that was a secular Jew, secular Jew, a guy that was a, a Muslim, Muslim, and a lady that was a a Muslim, S Somali Muslim, uh, Somali Muslim. This was the panel that was going to have a discussion about Jesus and how Jesus has impacted their lives. These these weren't Rick Warren from Saddleback. You know, wasn't Bill Hybels. You know, people that we would bring in and include in our circle to speak in front of a group, right? The, these were people that normally, me personally, I'll I'll take take the responsibility. I would probably have never invited them to speak in, in, a, in front of a group like this, right? Because they don't, in our minds, don't think like we do. But they love Jesus. I mean, you could see it in their speech, in their actions, on their face, the way they talked about what they were doing in their lives. It, it's amazing the thing that you know, the things that God is doing in these other countries, and you know, all we hear about are all the bad things that are happening. <coughs> We listen to the news. We you know see it on the internet. Uh, but these people are, are seeing some amazing things that Jesus is doing in their country, in their families, in their communities. And, and so that was a group, basically, or one person, Carl Madeiras, kind of bringing those people together and, and focusing on on uh, ministering to those groups. Uh, and another one that uh, you guys probably uh, would mention, too, would be Tom Rat Lane. Hmm. Uh, he's a former prime, prime, minister, prime minister of Ethiopia. Uh, basically led the guerrilla army that overtook uh, Ethiopia, and uh, he became the prime minister. And then uh, basically to implement communism. So he tells his whole story, and then we go to dinner uh, Thursday night, and he's sitting right next to me. It's like, how would that ever happen here in Oklahoma City, right? Uh, so we'll... Maybe if we have some time, we can tell a little bit more of his story. But if you guys get a chance, just Google the name Tom Rat Lane and watch his video. Awesome, awesome testimony. Just amazing uh, conversion to, to become a follower of Jesus. So I'll stop there. And yeah, you know, and part of that is I'll, I'll hook onto that with mine is that, you, you know, this, this is uncomfortable for people. To say somebody loves Jesus, but they don't believe he's the son of God. Well, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I just tell you that, you know, in jo in John chapter one verse twenty nine, there were some guys that said, they just came to Jesus and said, "Hey, uh, where do you, where do you, where are you living? What are you doing?" He just said, "Come see." That's all he did. Come see. He didn't preach the gospel to them. He just said, "Come see." Listen, remember this: it's our job, and Carl Madeiras is very clear on this. Carl's in it. very clear to say who he believes Jesus is. It's not your job to convert him. It's the Holy Spirit. You and I can't argue anybody into the kingdom. Only as they understand Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's our job to be a witness. I will tell anyone that I love Jesus and I believe He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But if you're willing to say, well, I, I, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I, I think His teachings are incredible. Wonderful. You belong. You can belong. Just hang around. Let's see what happens. <clears throat> Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you will end up believing. But again, that's, that's not my job, right? My job is to live that life. And so Carl, there, there was some tension in that room. Remember, Gary? There was. there was some tension in that room. 
Because you've got the old model, believe, behave, and belong. No, 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 let's turn it around. We've got the new model here, belong, believe, and they're believing some things. Anyway, that, I, I think that that was a, it's tense. This is not all a happy t- time. It isn't all, people are struggling. People are standing up to the mic and saying, you know, I'm having some struggle here. You know, it's saying, uh, you know, that, that one of the things that they said, you know, what you're doing is you're becoming syncretistic. You're taking a little of this religion and that religion. And Carl had a great response. Listen, if you don't think the evangelical church is already syncretistic, that bigger is better, that money is a blessing, that's the culture, isn't it? We've already syncretized our culture. We think that if you're getting lots of money and you're healthy, you're blessed by God. And if you don't, you're not. That, that's not the scriptural understanding of that. So, I mean, we, we've already played that game. Anyway, so that, there's, ten, I just, there's tension in these meetings. It's not all easy. We're all struggling a bit. Uh, I met, uh, Dan was talking about this Google guy, Brian, <clears throat> and found out, and it, just incredible people. Uh, another guy that had an impact on me is a guy named Dr. Michael Fang. Michael's from Chicago and comes and in, in, is there. He's a, a medical doctor. Uh, the first time I saw him, I thought he was 16. If I walked in his office, I'd walk out. <clears throat> I mean, I'm serious. <clears throat> but one night, uh, one night uh, we're sitting around the suite and talking, and, and uh, some of these people have gone home because they've got to go to bed early. And uh, <clears throat> I'm hanging out. Hey, man, I'm getting the full experience. I can sleep when I'm dead. <clears throat> and... Uh, uh, Maybe sooner. Uh, Michael is this guy. Anyway, I just got to talk. I said, Mike, tell me your story. And he grew up in a Chinese family in Chicago. His mother and father still live in Taiwan. They are not followers of Jesus. Through a series of events, uh, this guy's really intelligent, became a follower of Jesus. Told me his story. Uh, I just told him, I said, uh, you know, Michael, uh, and I pray for him every Tuesday for his family that his mom and dad would come to know Jesus. And uh, we just got that connection. And you know what was interesting to me, and, and you might think about this in the future, is after I let him tell me his story, I just went, well, that's, that's awesome. The next day I get an email from him. He says this, thank you for letting me tell my story. You know, everybody wants to tell their story. Everybody wants to tell their, their story, wherever they are. And, I, you know, I didn't think there was anything profound. I was just tired of talking. I just listened. You know, really, I, I had run out of words that day. I know. Because I'm early up and laid out, you know. Uh, but, but Michael, he sent me and said, thank you for letting me talk. So, Mike, you've got somebody I know that has had an impact on you for several years. Teresa. Why do I follow him? I don't. It's just the luck of the draw. Uh, I have been... Um, uh, visiting with for the last couple of years with a, with a gal named Teresa Goins. Uh, one of those people that uh, you know, it's unforgettable that her story is uh, just kind of captivated me. She is uh, I bet she's not five foot tall she, uh, but got the spunk and uh, God's given her a calling and she she graduates from Westmont College with a psychology degree and right out of college she goes to work as a um, juvenile detention officer where she is uh, mean supposed to be bad to all these uh, um, at risk youth in this uh, boot camp that she that they're running and she said to me you know I uh, 
I'm, I'm mean during the day, and, and, and from when I go home from work, I cry all the way home because these kids that I'm working with have got no hope that they're, they'll be released right back into the situation they're in. And it's, she, she said, God used this to convict me to do something, to use me to, to do something different. And she said, what these, what these kids wanted were family and a job and some security, and they could have none of that in the situation they were, they were in. And so of all things, she starts a supper club in San Francisco run entirely by at-risk youth. And guys... She's got a five-star restaurant in, in San Francisco now run by at-risk youth. It's, it's the most incredible thing. It's called Old School, S-K-O-O-L, Cafe. And in the conversation with me, you, she uses words like, I've seen transformation, there's been restoration, there's been healing. They now have hope. I teach them grace. We talk about grace. We talk about love. Hmm. And she is a freedom fighter for at-risk youth. They say she feeds dreams and starves self-doubt. She is uh, she's unbelievable. Um, one of the things I want to I just want to read you because I uh, it, it just hit me in something. Uh, I'm hoping that we can get her here to Oklahoma City because. Uh, church that I'm with uh, would uh, I think maybe might have a uh, opening for something like this in their agenda and their mission she said I've seen what that uh, that when God gives you a dream you have to walk with and trust into his plan and you will find anything is possible the stretching that occurs as you lean out to reach for your vision strengthens new muscles building your faith for the future she just, uh, she's one of those people that uh, is unforgettable. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And if you go to oldschool.com, okay, you can take a look at it and see some of her um, good works there, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think it's O L D S K O O L, right? Yeah. Okay. Every, every Thursday night, the, the whole thing starts on Tuesday night. And ends at Thursday night, big dinner at the Hilton, but we don't go. <laughs> uh, we go to another restaurant that I'm very familiar with in D.C., and it's a fish joint. Anyway, we've been doing this now. Mike and I have been doing this for about five, six years. And word somehow has gotten out, so people are kind of jockeying for an invitation to Thursday night. Because they pay for everything. And um, <laughs> So we generally take about 10 everything. people, and we go to Pesci Restaurant at 12. Anyway, this, this time, sitting at the table across from me is Tamrat Lane. His name is um, Tamrat, T-A-M-R-A-T. Last name is Laney, L-A-Y-N-E. He is the previous prime minister of Ethiopia. He is the communist atheist who fought in a guerrilla warfare for 20 years and then overtook the country and then got thrown in jail. And then Jesus came and visited him in 
jail. Not once, because he said, I don't believe you. Not twice, because he said, hey, you got to one more time and I'll start believing, and the next night he shows up again. It's a great story. Go look at it. It's a great testimonial. He's sitting across from me. Over here is uh, a guy that's won two Oscars. All right? And over there, on the other side of the table, is a guy that just bought that airline company that flies back and forth from yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah. And you know what? All these guys There's have Gary. one thing is in common with all the people at the table. Everybody <coughs> has a story to tell. Everybody is either thinking about it or trying to follow Jesus. And everybody is struggling somewhere in their life. It's not a situation where that these people show up to this thing and everything is fun and dandy. That's not how it works. It works because we show up and then we have somebody to follow and we have somebody to walk with. And, you know, that is the, the biggest deal to me about this entire God-given thing that I've been lucky enough to participate in for the last eight or nine years is that I get to walk with other guys, okay? That's what makes it special. And that's what makes this whole thing special is because you are not alone in this journey. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Mike Cliff, and Jesus. That's what makes the difference. And that's what happens when we sit down at those dinners. Yeah. That's what happens when we sit. Because when we sit down at those meetings and, or at the California suite or wherever we, we, we yeah. sit, there's no BS. It's all honest sharing from the word go. Right. Okay? Nobody's trying to impress another person. Nobody's trying to say, I'm better than you. Everybody's just trying to say, how are you doing? How can we go from today to tomorrow to further the kingdom of Jesus. Yeah. That's what people are doing. Now, Dan won't tell you this, but I will. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> the guy, a couple of guys at the table, one of them is Scott Smith, who is an Academy Award animator for Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and um, Men in Black 1. <clears throat> we pull this group together, and this guy starts talking about he <clears throat> much Much of the animation is going over to China, I guess. And so he's tried to start a company right there in, 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 the, in the Bay Area to keep those guys to have a job. It's a huge challenge that he's trying to do, and he's trying to follow Jesus. Two things happened. <clears throat> One is we find out at the end. That this, you know, when we hear that, I, don't, I, I said to Dan, I bet this guy drives a Lamborghini <clears throat> you know, or a Porsche or something. <clears throat> we find out that after he shares his story, that he's sitting there at the table, and I'm telling you, these guys are not shy in spending Dan and Mike's money. At all. <clears throat> Not shy at all. I mean, I'm looking at stuff and going, wait a minute. Anyway, <clears throat> he tells us later, he says this, I came to the National Prayer Breakfast. My wife gave me $50 for food. We're sitting at the National Prayer Breakfast. I mean, we're sitting at, at Pesci's, <clears throat> Dan's place. And he said, I didn't know how I was going to pay for my meal. Now think about that for a second. You know, we, <clears throat> we don't know people's story. We don't know what they're going through. And he said what a blessing it was to be there. with all the, And Mike and Dan picked the tab, and they didn't even know it, that, that this was doing something for this guy 
for him to feel like he could belong. I thought this guy could buy and sell all of us, you know, <clears throat> easy. But he didn't. And, and, and then he said this other thing. He, I said, tell me about what you're doing. He said, I'm trying to disciple these animators. And I said, look, I know what I think that means. You're taking a Bible study and <clears throat> you're trying to, you know, take them through training. What do you mean by that? He said, Cliff, I'm trying to live my life in such a way that they see Jesus in me and they want to follow him. This is a guy that's got Academy Awards, trying to make a change in Hollywood, and his idea of discipling is living his life in front of people so they might again believe that there's something to this. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. The one thing that the world is still yet to see often is whether this stuff really matters. Does it really mean anything? That's our privilege and opportunity. Well, this has been a great experience. You guys have anything? I've talked a little more than I thought, but you guys, imagine that, huh? I, I, I want you to know I love walking with these guys. <clears throat> this will never be a guy and girl group, okay? Sorry, what, Becky and Charlotte and all. It's a guy group, Debbie. You're start group. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to start your own group. We, we, decided, <clears throat> we decided this is so important for us as guys to be together, to share, as Dan said, where we can be as open as possible, talk about anything, that it's, it's, a, it's a group of guys walking together to follow, even when we're here, to follow Jesus. Any, any last thoughts or words? That... I'm just uh, blessed to be invited to be a part of the group and uh, look forward to, uh, to hopefully getting invited again. Uh, if you guys ever get a chance uh, to go, it's definitely an amazing experience. Uh, I, I think the thing that I would hope for you to just leave today thinking, okay, who is there that I'm going to run into today or Monday at work or just, you know, eating at a restaurant that maybe you could include in your circle? It doesn't have to be preachy. It doesn't have to yeah. be you're trying to convince them to believe like you. It's just let them know that you care. Yeah. They don't care how much you know until they know how, how much, much you, you care. That's right. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus... Make our hearts larger, our circles wider, and our lives following you at every step. We pray this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. See you next week.